everyone, welcome to the Flexing Physio Podcast. My name's Dan and I'm a physio currently based in Melbourne, Australia. This podcast is aimed for both students and new grads. In this podcast, there will be lots of fun banter and cool guests. Now, let's get into this episode. Alrighty, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Flexing Physio Podcast. If this is your first time here, I'd just like to say a huge welcome. Today, we've got a real, I'm not going to say a special guest. Today, we've got our co-host. Not anymore, is it? <laughs> not anymore. Not special guest. The last two, he's performed very well, so I thought I've um, upgraded him now to co-host. <laughs> now, this man, this myth, this legend, his name's Nads. So, Nads, welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. To, I'm very happy to be back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Third time Third time is the row. charm. Exactly. I'm on a hat trick, aren't I? <laughs> That's it. So, Nads, tell the listeners, what do you do? Where are you from? So, I'm a physiotherapist. I work at Head to Toe Physiotherapy and Podiatry in Mooney Ponds um, in Victoria. So, um, I see a lot of musculoskeletal cases um, during my week. I do see a, a bit of sports and a bit of vestibular stuff. So mm. um, I was in a very similar situation as you guys were once as graduate physiotherapists. So um, just providing any advice that I can and hopefully yeah. ha- making a lot of the complex stuff um, get that little bit more simpler for a lot of clinicians out there. Absolutely. And I love talking to you because you make the complicated stuff seem simple. That's it. And going back to the same principle that we both love, it's called the KISS principle. Yeah. Which is, what, what does it stand for? Keep it simple, stupid. And if it's not simple, I'm, I am a simpleton, so it'll yeah. probably go over my head. <laughs> and I love what you talked about in the last couple of episodes, which was, if, if you can't explain it simply, it means you don't understand it well enough. Correct. That's Einstein. Right. I think Einstein did say that. Exactly. So, if, if it is, if you can't explain it simply, you just you don't know how to bring it down to a level that normal people can understand. And that's yeah. the thing with us. We look at all these research papers, a lot of people, a lot of graduates, they have great theoretical knowledge. They actually know a lot more than they mm. think they uh, uh, do. But mm. then applying that comes down and that practical application comes down to doing things simply. Exactly. Or else, um, there's this thing that we, um, um, we look into as well is someone who is skilled at mm. a particular Um, job profession sport is someone who can make the complex simple look at an athlete look at ronaldo or whatever just does the really good stuff but makes it look simple yeah and that's the same thing that um, roger federer exactly and if you if you ever have the um the privilege of sitting in on a um really good physio or a specialist physio or titled Mm. physio they just make the really complex look yeah. easy. I think you were telling me about Andrew Wallace, the hip the hip guru. Yeah, yeah. He's based in Melbourne, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I've got to get him on a podcast. Yeah, he's treated my hip before and Jesus Christ, he can he's really, really good with the hip stuff. So yeah. good, man. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Um now, Nads, are you a chocolate or a vanilla man? I am a chocolate person. Chocolate, definitely. Okay. Definitely so. <laughs> um vanilla it's it's light on the tongue, but I just like the sweetness of a chocolate. Mm, yeah, definitely. That's fair. That's fair. What's your favorite cuisine ever? Oh, to be honest, and I'm a bit biased here, it's mm. Sri Lankan cuisine. I'm right. not too sure if you've had much of that, but it is butter chicken. Not <laughs> nah. You're still on the wrong <laughs> wrong stretch of the water there, mate. <laughs> yeah, you gotta come a bit further south, and you're in Sri Lanka. <laughs> so what's 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 a common Sri Lankan dish look like? Um, pretty much it's. 
it's curries, but pretty mm. much what happens is it's a lot uh, more use of what we could call coconut milk okay. in those curries. So we don't use very heavy stuff like ghee or anything like, like that. Heavy butter. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Not a lot of meaty dishes because we don't have a lot of land to have livestock in. Um, yeah. So a lot of fish curries, um, a lot of dal curries as well, and all eaten with rice. Yeah, um, But sure. those are um, really good dishes. Um, string hoppers is a good one. Um, mm. And that's um, really, really nice. But... People love traveling to Sri Lanka and um, tasting the cuisine there. So if it's one place to go in the world, I think it's definitely worth um, going to. Cool. Hopefully once things settle down as well. For sure, man. So um, have you, when's the last time you went back to Sri Lanka? 2020 in February, just before lockdowns. Good timing. Good timing, exactly. Just came in, um, just came back to Australia before lockdowns and yeah. went on to placement straight wow. after that. far out, just straight Same in. Going. Straight in. Last time I was overseas was 20... So, um, yeah, 2019 at the end of it. I went back to Taiwan to see my extended family. There we go. And before going back to Taiwan, before 2019, I think last time I went back to Taiwan was like 12 years ago. Mm. So far out, like talk about luck of a draw right like talk about good timing exactly got to see all my family before you know haven't seen them now for well my this is my extended family my mm-hmm. immediate family they're still in new zealand so i was able to go there um recently so that's good yeah filled it's up the family cup perfectly if you if you delayed it by one more year yeah. everything would have changed Who there knew? we go that's it exactly um so Nats, how long have you been a physio for two years two yeah, years i've so. been a physio for three there we go. <laughs> so we're both we're both relatively new, but Great. but I feel like um, we vibe so well because we we share the passion of correct teaching correct and I um and I think that's we have a passion for the field, we have a passion for our patients, and mm. we have a passion for people around us. So mm. we like seeing people grow. Um, whether that's a graduate um that's learning off us yeah um we do teach graduates as well um for sure um and it's that teaching that I think a lot of people are getting out of this podcast because Absolutely. Um, I think it's good to have, you have researchers, you have really good clinicians, but a lot of people do thrive off good coaches and good teachers. Okay. Yep. Um, because we can convey things um, about the physiotherapy profession in simple terms that yep. make it easy to understand. And I think you, um, a lot of the listeners of the podcast can get, a lot of valuable information out of you mm-hmm. as a result and very practical information as well that you can go straight away from an episode and think, okay, this is stuff that I can do for X, Y, or Z patients that I've already seen. Yep. Next patient I've seen, I can apply some of this stuff that yep. um, Dan's talked about on his podcast. For sure, yeah. for sure. Or more like not what Dan's talking about, but what Nads have talked about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't stop me talking. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's all good. Um, yeah, so I, I have to do another shameless plug of my ebook that I'm currently working on. By the time this episode gets released, man, I, I think I would have already um, prese- uh, not presented it, I published it, and it's all up for um, up for. Uh, uh, not sale. What's the op- uh, distribution? Distribution. Yeah, because exactly. it's gonna be free. The big, the big free. Great. So if you want a copy of this ebook, and it's it's basically the title is five things that I wish I knew earlier prior to entering private practice. So hit me up, send me a message on the Flexing Physio Instagram, hit me up and I'll send you a copy for free. And hopefully I've written it out in a very fun way, like very just colloquial, just like me talking to you way. So yeah, hopefully you get a few things out of it. Correct. Yeah, plenty plenty to learn, especially with a lot of um, graduates going into private practice in the upcoming months. So for sure. perfect time to 
get ahead of the game yeah. with that um, ebook. Definitely. That's right. And I genuinely think if you read my ebook, it gives you the real life experience and stuff that uni won't teach you and stuff that even your bosses won't tell you. So I'll be talking about stuff like pay, salary, different salary models and, and the pros and cons to everything. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, a, a lot of graduates feel weird about asking about salary and what yeah, to man. expect, what sort of... Um, places uh offering what so it's mm. really good to get that information um yeah to make sure that you are going into the right place wherever that may be for sure and if you're listening to this you know i'm an open book you can hit me up on my instagram and you can ask me any question you like just maybe not my bank account and all that stuff <laughs> but any questions starting from pay starting from burnout whatever you want you can hit me up and i'm sure nads is the same too yeah, that's so, exactly right. Hit give. us up and we'll be happy to help. That's it. We'll, we'll share some gaming chicken <laughs> and we'll we'll talk shop. Exactly. <laughs> All right, now, Nads, today we're going to talk about um, if a patient you're seeing is not responding and is not getting better, what do you do? Just got to go pack up the bags and leave. Just you're go probably, back, man. You're probably not a good physio and you, you probably screwed the pooch and uh, you're <laughs> just not in the right profession. I'm, I'm flying back to Taiwan. You're going back to Sri Lanka. We're not. We, we, we can't come back to Australia. No, no can't man. do that after We've this. been abolished. Abolished? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, in all seriousness, um, mm. don't, over, don't, don't overthink it. Yeah. Okay? So some people get better. Some people don't. Okay. The question um, that you need to ask yourself is, why is this happening? Mm. Okay. And the reason why it's happening can come from anywhere yeah okay it could be something you're doing okay maybe there's something you haven't looked into you have to be self-reflective when yes um seeing a patient that is um, not improving okay mm-hmm. so i've always say start off with yourself okay S- evaluate what you're doing have you um assessed and taken in all the information in the subjective properly yep. okay is there a detail that you've missed is there something you need to clarify you may go back to that when you see that patient again so um that's the that's the first step look at yourself look at that subjective is there a clinical test that um are you testing the right things mm. okay are you getting false positives false negatives yep. okay yep. um is this actually the right test for the issue um, doesn't matter where it is in the body, okay? Is it the right test that you're doing? Okay, yeah. just getting an idea, and then is the treatment application mm. the right thing? Okay, is your treatment reassessment, treatment reassessment yielding the results it should? So mm. start off with yourself, and that comes down to self-reflection. Yeah. What aids in that is you, most graduates will have a senior physio, a mentor or something. Correct. Yeah. To have a look at the case, bring it up with your senior and um, sure. um, physio. Ask them, okay, um, what perspective they do they have on it? Okay, mm. um, mentors should be um, have a good relationship with graduate physios. Hundred percent. It should be one where you feel okay being vulnerable to your mentor. Okay? Yeah. Like, um, they should be able to provide you meaningful feedback. Um, they like in all honesty, and this is something that um is just the truth of the situation. There are good mentors. There are mentors that are not as good as others as well. Mm. And it barely comes down to how much clinical knowledge they have, but it actually comes down to how they approach you as a person. Yeah. Okay. So, um, if they are um take on your feedback really well and yeah. um can coach you in the right way, they um you can really get some good feedback from. 
um, even inexperienced clinicians mm. as well. Okay, even graduate clinicians can give good feedback too. Hundred percent. So yeah. getting that perspective from another source can be good. But I think that's the first step. Just do almost it's almost like your blind spot monitoring you're just yep. checking up on yourself and if it's you okay now in clinical practice i would say if i was to be honest i reckon 80 to 90 percent of the time if a patient isn't getting better you're most likely doing all the right things yeah. it might come down to the external yeah. um factors sure. that are having an influence and that's what i've found within mm. m- my cohort of patients so what do you mean by external factors so external factors come down to the patient mm. okay so um the patient is within their social context they mm. also have their loads whether that's um what they do through their occupation yeah workloads is a big one we often forget correct okay their perspective on the issue okay mindset correct all of that stuff is going to be having an influence on um a a person's burden of any Mm. disease okay Mm -hmm. how proactive are they in doing their exercises Mm. are they taking on your advice yeah are they managing their load are they avoiding their aggravating activities sure and unfortunately to say as i said for 80 to 90 percent of people they're actually not yeah they're actually not like you're giving the best treatment they might improve within the session Mm. but then they go home and they expose themselves to the same loads that injured them in the first place and they come back asking okay why why is it, why am I not improving? Yeah. So that's when you have to convey to the patient, okay, mm. um, look, within the treatment session that you do, you do improve, okay, mm. but to keep the improvement going beyond the time you walk out of the door comes down to you doing the exercises, comes down to you mm-hmm. um, not, in, uh, in layman's terms, aggravating the issue, mm. okay? If you keep on aggravating the issue, the body can't heal. Yep. I always give the uh, bit of education to um, these um, patients. And if it's a gem that you want to take from this Hit episode... Hit me this with the good, gems, man. Hit me with them. Is I actually tell them, your body heals itself. Yeah. Our, our role as a physio is to set the right conditions for your body to heal. And our role is literally advising you what to do mm. to make it heal. That's okay? right. And... If you don't follow those guidelines, it's unlikely to heal. Okay, yeah. and it's like having a sore thumb and knocking your thumb up, up against something. It's not yeah. going to heal. It's it just going to piss it off even more. It's just going to piss it off even more. Yeah. Okay. So if you have cleared the fact that, okay, um, it's not your f- um, uh, clinical judgment that's wrong. Mm. That you're confident in your diagnosis and what's happening. Yeah. You have. Um, then I would look at those external sources that may be causing that to happen. And that's looking at those um, biopsychosocial mm. um, influences. can be tricky though, hey, because, you know, you see them for, you know, some clinics see them half an hour follow-up, some see them for 20-minute follow-up, some see them for uh, 45 minutes, one hour, <clears throat> one hour follow-ups. And even if it's one hour, that's, if you take a look into the percentage of their week that they're actually seeing you, it's very, very low. So you can do whatever you can in that time that you see them, but what they do in their own time, you, it's totally outside of your control. Correct. Um, so, yeah, so. Yeah, so that's a, that's, a, that's a great point that you make. And for some reason, people really click well with numbers, okay? Mm. So what you demonstrated is com- 
exactly correct. So if you think of one hour in the sense of a whole week, mm. okay, um, and if you're getting treated for an hour, but then you're aggravating it for twenty hours, uh, thirty-eight hours at work, Wasting it's just a weight of mate. numbers. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's just a weight of numbers. So the work, your workload's going to irritate it to a point where it's going to um, um, come back. So yeah. if that patient's not improving for that reason. Mm. look at what you can do to modify okay people yeah. will always say they're time strung people will always say oh no i can't avoid it okay yeah. so for example for that patient that is time strung set up your exercises in a way that they can realistically do it okay for example if they're a desk worker give them exercises that they can do in a seated position yeah you at can, their desk yeah at their desk you can do that for most parts of the body mm. quite effectively mm-hmm. okay especially if it's upper limb then if it um, if it's time that's the issue, you can teach them timetabling, okay? Yeah. So um, there are many ways to develop habits, yeah. okay? Exercise is a habit, okay? Yeah. And usually um, with most therapeutic exercise, at bare basics and bones, you maximum only need around two to 10 minutes max. That's I, right. I, it's I, surprisingly low. It's isn't two it? to 10 minutes max of commitment. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and that might be once a day. That might be once every second day if you want to have a bit of rest between the yeah. exercises. But that's what we look at. Now, to get that going for a patient that says, oh, I'm so time strung today and I just don't have any time, is uh, you discuss with them when is a time of day that they might have that five minutes okay mm. it might be brushing after brushing their teeth putting the kids to bed yeah. um cooking a meal they might just be waiting around for the a pot to boil okay yeah you tell them every time that they do that meaningful task or activity mm. that's when you go do your exercises yeah. okay that's your trigger each and every single time you do that yep. that's when you do your exercises mm. so that you routinely keep that in yeah um keeping it consistent on uh, on time of day is also important For as sure. well yeah so that's how you um hopefully change those external factors so mm. that people can actually do their exercises and get on board with the treatment plan again have you have you read a book called Atomic Habits? I saw you reading that. Yes, yeah. yes. You mentioned something in there too with um with uh keeping like building habits. It's uh having a trigger to to then follow through with a habit. And another thing that they talked about in the book was making whatever habit you're trying to do, whether it be reading or, or exercising in, in our in our example, is put the theraband where you can see it. Don't shove it away in a drawer where you won't see it. So have that trigger to help you follow through with the action. Exactly. So that's a great mm. that's a great way to um, to put it. Is if you make it visually there, we're mm. visual beings. beings Very, okay? yeah, we're visual sure. beings. So if it's visually there, you're gonna do it. Okay. Mm. If you pack it away somewhere each and every single time, you're not gonna do it. For no, sure. Definitely not. So um, I 100% agree with you with that. Very good. Um, now, we're, we're talking more at the moment. We're talking about, we're assuming the patient's not very compliant with the exercises, right? Correct. And that's the reason why they're not getting better. I like to reiterate to new grads and students listening to this is that you see a person, you have to stay vigilant with your red flags because then sometimes you might miss a red flag and the reason why they're not getting better is because they've got a cancer in that area. Correct. So if something doesn't feel right, if something just doesn't sit right with you, you have to have the humility to ref- to be able to refer on, whether it to be back to the GP 
or usually it's back to the GP because then you make the, you write a letter and you say to the GP that something doesn't feel right. They're presenting with A, B, C, and D. Maybe this warrants a neurosurgeon um, or maybe this warrants a CT or an MRI or something like that. Yeah, and red flags may not pop up on your initial, but it doesn't mean it might not pop up later down the track. So you've got to stay vigilant. Correct. So if things are not... And you, it's not like you ask your red flag questions every single consultation yeah. you come in. That's not what we're asking yeah. you to do. Yeah. Is um, if you're finding that the trajectory of the treatment course isn't going where it should, like either they're not getting better or they're getting worse. Mm. Worsening pain is um, um, a big one. If it's there, and all of a sudden getting night pain, yeah, all of that, and you'll pick up that uh, that with normal conversation when you ask, yeah. okay, how's things traveling for you? Yeah. Okay, they'll tell you. <laughs> they'll they'll tell you. They should. Okay, if not, you'll have to uh, f- uh, do the follow up questions. Yeah. Then yeah, you definitely need to see. Is there a significant pathology that's not responding to my treatment because it's a significant pathology? Yeah. Okay. For sure. As it, a cancer is not going to um, respond to dry needling. Okay. <laughs> you might have a placebo effect. Okay. Where yeah. um, you might have reduced a bit of pain and the pain will come back. Okay. Wasn't and, there a study that showed that if you massage a cancer, it actually goes away? I have no idea. <laughs> if that's the case, they've got some clinical gold there that I'm not too sure. Uh, where they're no, gonna I think they use physio cream. I think that's the... <laughs> are, you pl- are you plugging for physio cream? Now? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's a that, sorbeline. Yeah, they're not going to be able to put that on the that, bottle. <laughs> that was false, by the way, in case you didn't pick that up. Exactly. <laughs> just have to pretense that. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just coming down to the fact that... Um, Red flag pathologies can be there, and yeah. um, not even a red flag in the sense of cancer can um, cause um, conditions mm. to be persistent and not get better. Significant pathologies within joints can do that too. Yeah. So if there is a severe joint derangement, okay, or a structural issue, mm-hmm. um, a label tear in a shoulder or whatever, mm-hmm. um, then not uh, something of se- uh, a severe. Um, um, qualities it's yeah. not it's not going to respond as well to physiotherapy and again no. that's when you look at your referral points that's and it. as i always say it comes down to a few questions is is the condition worsening mm. if it's worsening that's an issue is it more of a constant pain mm. so constant pain is again it's it, it suggests a um, higher level issue yeah and then the other thing i, I also ask about it but uh, and this comes down to the initial subjective and then even when you're talking in normal situation is irritability yeah when something's irritable if you do something that aggravates it okay mm. it will cause the pain to stay on there for 60 minutes two hours plus okay yeah. unless something's really wrong okay that's not going to happen okay yeah. even with a little um, rotator cuff tear that shouldn't happen the pain mm-hmm. should come and pain should, should settle go. yeah correct but if there is a significant pathology there, it's going to persist, okay? Mm. Um, such as a um, really bad labral lesion or subchondral bone edema or whatever. I've seen, um, not personally, but I've heard of a shoulder, dis- like a posterior dislocation, yep. and the shoulder ha- hasn't been reduced yet, and they've come in for physio, and they've been hammering away at the ex- exercises, but the structure, the shoulder's sitting out. It's exactly. not in the socket. So it's just kind of, and it was just was not getting better until they finally had an x-ray and they were like, oh crap, the shoulder's still sitting out. So let's get you, and by that time, it's already been weeks. So you, you the muscle actually had set in that way exactly. and, and they, they're not actually having that much muscle guarding anymore. So they had to knock them out 
and then put the shoulder back. Correct. Okay. And imagine if that's an elderly patient with the amount of atrophy in the muscle mm. and everything like that. So it's and the a, nerves as well, like neuro ne- um, neurovascular compromise for or sure. Whatever. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's it's highly likely a patient won't improve if you're missing an apparent pathology. Yes. There. Yes. Um, and you know you you know you're missing it mainly when the pain is that high and that raging. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're still not and getting better. The one part of pain that I do want to talk about, though, that may also suggest that they're not getting better, is if they have um, pain sensitization too. Sure, that's a the that's can a of worms. Oh, oh, that's a whole new episode, bro. <laughs> that's a can of worms. Okay, yeah. but uh, keep an eye on that as well. So pain sensitization can occur there are objective testing for it okay yeah, right. so you can objectively test for it with um and, and we'll go through all of this at a later stage yeah with light touch um pressure cold sharp sensations there is a full testing battery mm. that we can go through very good um, yeah so you can objectively test for peripheral yeah sensitization and you can also um um test for central sensitization with sure. such a would lo- I'd love to go through that yeah it'd be really good yeah so definitely something to think about as well um within um um when we're working with patients who are not getting better and we know the psychosocial stuff's going to have an influence as well and yep. we've already we've already um, touched, touched on, on that, that as well when when would you ever refer not to a specialist but would you refer to another physio just to get a different pair of oh, eyes and different opinion 100%. on it percent without, yeah. without without a doubt so um so with physios in Australia, we're lucky enough to have specialist physios, mm, okay? And sure. they're there for that reason, okay? And These can you walk us through a couple of different types of specialist physios? Yeah, so specialist physios, um, they're, they're located across Australia, mm. okay? So um, you'll be able to find them as long as you search them up. Some people, uh, some of them might um, specialize in TMJ. Some of yep. them might specialize in the shoulder, okay? Yep. Yep. Um, what, they, what a specialist physio has done is they've done their postgraduate coursework yeah they've done their titling on top of that then they've gone through a two-year specialization um to work on complex cases yeah wow so um they are active members in our physiotherapy community so what happens with a specialist physio is you'll refer your patient to the specialist you can send an accompanying report yeah yeah with that specialist physio they'll have a look at everything you've done they'll have a look at the patient and they'll see okay are you on the right track? Yeah. Are you on the wrong track? Yeah. Okay. If the specialist feels mm. that the patient is best managed with the specialist, um, they'll keep him on for a few sessions before yeah. referring them back to you. Beautiful. If it's something that's just a simple tweak, they'll actually tweak it and send mm. the patient back to you and say, yeah. just work on this. Okay. Yeah. And you know, see me again in six weeks or so. How good so that? you have that higher level of support here. Yeah. It is a really underutilized pathway. Yeah, for sure. And, it's um, for those that work in work cover, TAC or compensables, you can write requests to the insurers to get specialist physiotherapy approved as well. So that Didn't might be know that. Yes, you can. Bro, this is a clinical gem for me. This is a clinic. This is a huge clinical gem. So huge. you can definitely do that if you want to get that extra set of eyes, because I'll be honest with you is um, I find that physiotherapists are really well positioned to help. And even though one's um, physio may not be able to help, it might be the case that referring to a specialist physiotherapist Mm. can help. Mm. And that's more than valid. And sometimes we do feel weird referring out of our profession Mm. to a neurosurgeon or an orthopod. Because 
sometimes it's not with all um, all of them. They're usually the neurosurgeons, orthopods are really really good. Yeah. But you, sometimes it's the doctor who controls where they go, and yeah, you the don't GP, know. The yeah, GP, the GP, yeah, yeah, exactly. They're the funnel. Yeah, and you don't know if they're going to a a, a quality specialist a as well. A good one, yeah, true. correct. Because there are duds out there, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a, and that's the case with every profession. Yep, okay? that's right. Bad apples in every profession. There's going to be bad apples in every profession. So, um, if you want that extra set of physiotherapy eyes, um, yeah, I'd highly recommend um, uh, mm. referring them to a specialist um, physiotherapist. And I've done that multiple times that's as well. That's so good. Okay, so, and it's been a great experience with them. Yeah, I think when we refer on, it's all about putting your ego aside because it's not about you it's not about me it's it, about the patient exactly and right. if it means that we need to refer to a specialist physio or a specialist doctor do that Correct. do whatever is is best for the patient yeah not the, for your ego man. and the patient actually loves you for it absolutely okay they actually they're they're they're, they're actually going to refer more people back to you because absolutely. they can see you're a very careful physio that actually understands your own limitations for okay sure. Um, and at the end of the day, you're going to be more affordable to see than a specialist physio in the first place. Like, 100%. They're, uh, they're always going to come back to you. They're not going to be seeing the 100%. specialist three yeah. times a week, four times a week because you'll go yeah. broke real quick. Yeah, like <laughs> you think you charge a lot as a physio? Wait till you get to a specialist appointment. That's another level of charging, mate. They're, they've got a high caps machine for the high caps machine. <laughs> but yeah. Their their expertise commands um commands that and for the sure. time the time that they spend yeah but um for sure. it's really really good knowing that you have that extra level for mm. those patients that don't improve with you and you think that they could have another good set of eyes looking yep. at and some clinics already have these specialist physios working for them that's so, that's so you premium. already have that ready to go that's premium so I think it's a good place to wrap up this episode. I just want to like to summarize what we've talked about. So number one is if a patient's not getting better, search within yourself and analyze everything you've done and potentially you've missed something, go and ask that question. Go and do that test. Do whatever you can to to help the patient. If that's if you've done all that, you've you've and the second thing is to talk about it with a mentor or talk about it with another professional colleague. If you've done that, still still things aren't making sense. Maybe it's time to get another pair of eyes on it. Get us referred to a specialist physio. Potentially referred to a specialist doctor. And if you have the luxury of having GPs work around you at the lunchroom, have a chat with one of the GPs that you trust. Um, and after you've done that, like you know, as we talked about, the patient will respect you even more if you know something's outside of your scope and that you refer to another person. Yeah, definitely. So um, those pathways are there. And then um, yeah, I think the last thing is just look at those external factors. We work within a biopsychosocial framework. Mm -hmm. um, what are those other factors that are influencing this pain to become persistent? And I think from from there, as long as you've covered all of those bases, um, and as I said, it's not always going to be your fault, okay? It, no. And there's no, there's no, it's not a fault thing. It's not a blame game thing or whatever, no. okay? It's not about that. It's about just doing the right thing for the patient. That's okay? it. Um, so do the right thing for the patient and you'll be all right. Um and you you walk away even in in the times where you can't get a person to feel better with your head held high, knowing that you've gotten them to the right place exactly. to get the help that they need. Yeah, it's all about what makes us sleep better at night. <laughs> exactly. At the end of the day, literally. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but that's it's 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 a really really good system that we have, mm -hmm. um, especially within the physiotherapy profession, yeah. um, to foster that. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for another juicy, information filled episode. 
um, we're actually going to go go get some chicken now. Yeah, gammy chicken. Okay. Gammy chicken. Hey, this is definitely something that's going to increase my weight bearing on my <laughs> hip. So <laughs> that's definitely not going to like that. But that's again, right. by psychosocial factors. That's right. You've got to look after that mental aspect, that mental health as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll justify it that way. <laughs> now nah, that's awesome well thanks Ned um, to all the listeners thank you for listening another quality episode um, if I may say so myself <laughs> and just another plug um, for myself if you um, want to get your hands on the ebook to um, explain to thing, explain to you things that I wish someone would have told me before starting private practice make sure to hit me up on my Instagram send me a link sorry send me a message and I'll send you the PDF file um and yeah head over to the instagram for some funny relatable physio content that's all great great awesome well we'll catch you in the next episode ciao guys